Welcome to Kuden. This podcast gives you the chance to listen in as a student and a master of ninjutsu discuss the principles of warriorship, traditional training, and modern day techniques that are essential to real world self defense. Your hosts are Shidoshi Jeffrey Miller, a 13th degree black belt of ninjutsu, and his decade long student, Eric White, a third degree black belt. Shidoshi Miller's martial arts career spans over 30 years, including military service, federal police service, private investigation, and has taken him around the world to train with leading martial arts masters. Kuden allows you to listen in on some of the most highly sought after martial arts knowledge, that which isn't written in books or scrolls, but only transmitted verbally between a master and student. This is Kuden. Welcome back to another episode of Kuden. And in this episode, we're going to take a look at something recently in the news, and that is the knockout game and, and what it can teach you. I'm Eric White here with Shidoshi Miller. That's been something big in the news recently at the time we're recording this, and I'm sure you've got a lot of great insights to share about that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if that doesn't tell you everything right there. Um, <laughs> that'll be a big section. Uh, there's also the, the go die. We've been stepping through the pro progression of it. And the next, uh, element we'll take a look at is fire. And then also, uh, want to take a look and explore a little bit about mantra. What is it maybe for some people who think they might know or One have of heard three of it? Key elements in Mikyo ritual meditation. That's all I'm saying at the moment. <laughs> you were waiting for something else. I was waiting. Yeah, I know, because you're used to me talking so much. <laughs> Just shut the hell up and tell me where to put my foot. <laughs> so there's uh, there's a lot of deep topics we'll get into on this episode of Kuden. And uh, remember, you can always... Can you imagine if like somebody jumped onto one of these freaking shows um, who hasn't been following it? Like for any significant amount of time, and they're uh -huh. like, "This sounds like the Bob and Charlie show in the morning on the radio station." <laughs> yeah, well, that totally was kind of the idea, right? But um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> we have a, a Facebook page um, that yeah. you may have already kind of come to the people just aren't interacting on it. You and I have been posting on it and stuff, and and just yeah. having some things on, but we put it up so people could like interact and and submit questions and. It's, uh, right. What is it with people that are like supposed to be like training and taking control of their lives and all that and steering and all that, <laughs> and then they're going to sit back and wait for us to come up with something to talk uh, about? Yeah, yeah. We put up a freaking Facebook page and there's there's email and all kinds of stuff where you could send <laughs> in a, hey, what about this topic? Yeah, right. So and, you know, grow a pair. We, we, and submit a question. <laughs> we we could just say, hey, you know, we covered that back in episode three or five or. 11, I don't know, but look at the directory, right? <laughs> but we've already covered that. Hey, look at this. And if you still have questions, submit another one. Um, you, you know, so anyway, uh, help us with this thing because this is like episode 14 or mm -hmm. something like that, right? Um, and it's, it's not that it's difficult for us to come up with topics, but I try to not run my programs that way, right? I mean, yes, I have a curriculum and all that, and we talked yeah. about it in the last episode, so if you missed that, um, why my curriculum is the way it is and what is really important when it comes to getting your training in a certain in a, in a certain uh, order, right? Like what's the first most important thing, right? Um, not getting punched or getting somebody off of you right away, that kind of thing, and dealing with conventional, the most common attacks, right? So, yeah, right? Um I, I don't I'm not one of those guys that puts together a program and then goes out and tries to find people who are looking for that. Mm. I'd rather find a group of people who have a common problem 
and then put together a program that yeah. helps them develop that program, right? Right. Um, it benefits my family. Um, I'm not going to make any qualms about it, right? I mean, mm-hmm. there's more people mm-hmm. that are going to want to buy the program or whatever. And part of this is how I feed my family. So, um, but the other thing is it's just, it's more productive for everybody all the way around because, you, you know, I like to put together these programs where there's like a weekly phone call, like for a coaching kind of thing, yeah. right? Yeah. You get these lessons, but then you can get on this weekly call and be able to ask questions and all that. And then you're on with a group of like-minded people mm. where you can learn from their questions and they can learn from yours, right? And yeah. it just becomes a, a much greater learning experience and duplicates a lot of the benefits of why you would go to a dojo to begin with, right? Um, so ask some damn questions, right? Even yeah. if it's even if you need clarity about something or, uh, you know, I covered something in episode five you think was bullshit or whatever. It's, it's okay, right? Um, as long as you're being respectful about it and it's not turning into some kind of political debate that, you know, you're going to argue that I taught something, but um, Joe Cool, Dojo Dude, mm-hmm. uh, you know, wherever, uh, teaches it a different way, right? As long as that's, you know, uh, not directed in a negative way or whatever, we can have discussions about that as well. But, right, there's a Facebook page, which yeah. is at... It's called Kuden. Kuden. Right? Yeah, and, just go to Facebook, search Kuden, you'll find it. And bing, yeah, there we are. <laughs> so As a matter of fact, there's like a picture that? of him and I. So and if, uh, you want to know what we looked like 10 years ago? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. in black and white. That's right. We're not in sepia, but we are in black and white, right? <laughs> but uh, you can like the page. You can post the comments there. And, of course, that also makes it easy to share uh, with other friends that you may know who would benefit from this as well. Uh, so in the next section here, we'll get to, we'll talk about the knockout game. Next on Kuden. Which handgun is best for general self-defense? Revolver or semi-automatic? How many types of recoil must you neutralize in a defensive combat handgun situation? What two skill areas are missing from most gun training courses? You need answers. Your life could depend on it. You need surviving under fire. This three-disc DVD series offers the answers to these questions and more. Plus Shidoshi Miller's Four Pillars of Handgun Mastery. Order your copy of Surviving Under Fire today at warrior-concepts-online.com or call 570-988-2228. Put Shidoshi Miller's 25-plus years of knowledge and experience to work for you. Get the three-disc series Surviving Under Fire and master the skills that could one day save your life. Welcome back to Kuden. I'm here with Shidoshi Miller, and in this segment, we're going to talk about... Uh, something that's been big in the news lately and at the time of this recording, and that's the knockout game. And uh, not too long ago, I had sent, uh, I emailed you an article that I had seen pop up in the re- in, in the local newspaper to Williamsport uh, that, hey, this thing that they've been talking about on national news in big cities like New York and Philadelphia or whatever right. is now in Williamsport. Now Somebody here. played the knockout game in Williamsport. Yeah. So, you know, this is something that, you know, it could be, say, a group of legitimate, I don't know, gang members or thugs doing this, or kids hear this on the news and go, hey, this would be fun. Let's yeah. go play it's, the knockout game. It's typically game not gang in, members. You know, right? middle America. Yeah, you look it could at be anywhere. Thing. Right. Um, here's a pop quiz for you, and uh, th- this is my little uh, legal uh, statement here or whatever, right? Uh, I am not. Well, I am prejudiced, right? I hate everyone equally. Um, <laughs> I hate lazy people. I hate uh, manipulative people. Anyway, um this is not about color or anything like that, right? But I do have a problem where things are made racial in one arena, mm. but avoided in 
other arenas, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, you know, I'm a big truth-oriented person, and truth is truth, right? I know we have subjective personal truth and all that kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. But um, you don't just pick and choose because it fits your egocentric right, yeah. view of reality or whatever. But anyway, uh, pop quiz. What is another name for uh, the knockout game in the subculture that it usually takes place in? Hmm. I don't. I don't know. Polar bearing. Polar bearing. Yes, because the typical, and I mean ninety nine point nine percent of the perpetrators uh-huh. are black teenage youth, mm. and the typical target are white middle aged mm. adults. Wow. Called polar bearing. Hmm. How about that, right? Yeah. You don't see that in more than a couple of uh, media yeah. uh, outlets, and it's just done in passing because, well, we wouldn't want to, you know, push the race card in that direction. Now, again, this is not about a racial thing from my direction. Right. I'm not pointing it out because I need to somehow balance the, the, the sheet or whatever, mm-hmm. but that term wasn't invented by by the media or whatever. Mm-hmm. That term was picked up by a reporter here or there mm. from kids that were kind of laughing it off. Oh, yeah, just having fun. Really? Mm. We're having fun. You know, five years, ten years ago, I was talking about how, uh, you know, uh, people think they're safe because of where they live, right? I live in a safe community. I don't live in the inner city and all that kind of stuff. I don't have to worry about some of this gang violence or whatever. And I was telling them bullshit because one of the – requirements for entry into some of these gangs is to go to a well-to-do neighborhood and shoot somebody you don't know. And that's how a 13-year-old was getting entrance into into some of these gangs, right? Mm -hmm. Um, That's what you had to do, right? So, you know, here's this thing, right? Now, you don't even have to have entrance into a gang. This is just for fun. Right. We're walking up and trying in one shot to knock somebody out, Mm. which is they're probably not thinking about it this way, but these knockout shots, any one of these things could kill somebody mm. because you're causing trauma to the brain or the spinal column or whatever, right? Right. So, but this we call fun, right? <clears throat> um, did you also see in the newspaper the grandmother that shot two of these kids? No, I seen you. Yeah. You'd mentioned that in your response to my email. Yeah, I they had not missed. seen that article. Granny was carrying. Mm. Yeah, they missed, right? Um, so... But obviously a story that certainly didn't get national attention. Oh, absolutely not. It was probably on page three or four or something yeah. like that, and it didn't last for very long because, you know, Granny was white and redneck because she was packing heat, right? Mm-hmm. And they were just teenagers, what, having fun? This is what we're doing, right? They come up and they blindside people or whatever, yeah. right? Um, there are lots of videos. I mean, you can bring these things up. There are more and more videos all the time because these people are being caught on you know, just the corner store video camera or whatever. Mm-hmm. So these these videos are being posted, right? Um, but I think what you wanted to talk about was what, what can we do about that kind of thing, right? Yeah, well, some of the things when I'd seen a video of this, one of the first things that jumped out at me um, was, and, and we kind of talked <laughs> no a little bit intended. before we... <laughs> it just totally hit me out of nowhere. We we were kind of talking about before we started recording this segment and how things like cell phone culture have changed how people are aware of their surroundings. In this particular video I saw, I I, I couldn't help feeling bad for what happened to the, to the guy who who got punched and knocked out. But at the same time, I felt like you just 
walked right yeah, into yeah. this See, I, totally oblivious. I, I have mixed feelings when, when those kind of things happen because had people were more aware. Down, yeah. This game wouldn't last for very long. Right. right. I mean, he comes out of the store, face down in a newspaper, sipping a coffee, and there's a gang of like seven kids right. walking down this alley. Right. And, he and he's just avoiding totally, eye contact with them and stuff. So, yeah. you know. And, and, and it's like. We make ourselves such easy targets sometimes. Well, we don't. Well, yeah. Don't (laughs) Don't throw us into that (laughs) freaking People, you people. (laughs) And I know we're singing to the choir because most people that are listening to this are not in this category. But um, I want to be real, real clear. And I, this is something that I'm just going to change the wording a little bit. But this is what I share with my corporate clients all the time when I'm talking about workplace violence, right? I don't know that I could ever make workplace violence or violence of any kind mm-hmm. go away, right? Same thing I tell I, – I did a speech for your Kiwanis group not too long ago, right? right? And I talked about I, I don't know that I could ever make bullying go away because bullying is almost a natural phenomena that happens during a certain preteen to teen time mm-hmm. when kids are trying to find an equilibrium and because we are pack animals, right, trying to figure out that hierarchy and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. right? So there's this there's – this, weeding out process that goes on. It happened to me in, in the military and all that, right? And you either become mentally strong enough to deal with it and it becomes almost game-like to where it's not perceived as bullying or whatever. It's just just what we do, you know, that kind of thing. Um, or you succumb to it and you're destroyed by it. You're eaten by it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't know that we can make these things go away. And in all honesty, and this is the same thing I tell my workplace violence clients, I don't care. I don't care why it's being done. I don't care who's doing it. I don't care. I don't care about any of these other things that all these support groups want to figure out to make it go away. Mm-hmm. I don't want it to go away. I, I, it's not that I don't want it to go away. I, that's not my thing. Right. Right. My specialization is not in prevention. Prevention for me is an, is a is a side effect. Right. right. Because I've developed myself into the kind of person that is aware and has these abilities. If they get through my awareness or whatever, that. It's, you know, and I may go down, but I'm I'm going to handle things to the best of my ability, right? Yeah. So I'm not the support group person, right? I'm not the prevention person. I'm not the go tell daddy or the reporting kind of person at the end. There's lots of specialists out there that do that, right? Mm-hmm. My my thing is in the moment, right? What are you going to do when it's in your sphere, right? That kind of thing. So uh, same thing I tell parents with bullying, right? I. I don't know that I can ever make it go away, but I can make it go away for your child, right? Mm-hmm. Just back off, give me some time, and make sure you reinforce these lessons at home, and we're all good. But holding hands and encircling a school to intimidate the school officials or the government to pass laws or whatever is a form of bullying. And most mm-hmm. of the anti-bullying programs are let's bully the bully sure. to stop bullying or let's bully our senators or whatever to do something to make bullies stop bu-. It's perpetuating the same cycle. So mm-hmm. – Karma's a bitch, and you either, you know, yeah. perpetuate the cycle or you step outside and produce a different type of karma. Mm. So I don't ignore it, right? But I have found that my presence and the way I carry myself, and I think you find this as well, goes a long way to preventing things from happening to you because there's just something that the predators pick up on that just doesn't make you easy. So they go someplace else mm. where it's easy, right? Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. Watching some of these videos, um, like the school teacher, ninth grade school teacher that was walking along the alley and steered far enough away from the group, mm-hmm. right, but had his head down so he didn't have to look at these kids and all that kind of stuff and was just clocked by this kid that came out of the, out of nowhere, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so 
dealing with this, I want to talk about it from two perspectives. One, we could say, comes from our Mikio perspective, right, the mind science training, right? And the other one actually gives credence to training a certain way that actually comes from uh, two of our lineages, one specifically and then one backup, the Tagagi Yoshin Ryu and the Shinden Fudo Ryu, right? Mm-hmm. Specifically Tagagi Yoshin. For those of you who are just on this for self-defense and personal development stuff, um, what I just said was, humana, 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 yeah. and I'll explain the Japanese in a minute because I'm sure it made no sense at all. For the other ones that are like nodding and going, ooh, I know that name. Um, cool. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but I'm going to explain it anyway, so whatever. Anyway, <laughs> so uh, saying we need to wake up is one thing, but like in the Danger Prevention Tactics DVD that I put out, right? I mean, that all that's not physical stuff unless you're talking about looking around or whatever. Mm-hmm. But it goes beyond just being aware to to knowing what you should be aware of and how to direct your consciousness, mm. right? That's the tool, right? Just telling somebody you need to pay attention. To what? What mm. does it look like when it's on? What does it look like when it's off? What is it, you know, what does something look like when it's suspicious, right? Right. And then what do I do to make it more difficult for him to get at me? You know, should something happen, right? And I, you know, we'll, we'll we could talk about the fact that if if more people were proactive or whatever, again, this thing would it would go away on its own. Or if some of these kids started getting beat up, right, and the thing started going to court and all that, it doesn't even need to mm-hmm. go to court, right? Just the fear that the person you're throwing a punch at could retaliate and you could feel the pain instead, that would deter. Mm-hmm. More people than not. You know, that's why most criminal or most burglars in this country don't break into somebody's house at night when people are home. They do it during the day when everybody's at work, right? Mm-hmm. Because is it nine out of ten Americans own at least one firearm or it depends on the area. I know in this area yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of firearms going on, right? Yeah. And they're just not gonna break in when people are home because that's how you get shot, right? Mm-hmm. So there's that natural deterrence kind of thing. But anyway, with the mindset or the mindfulness, just, you know, you don't have to stare at somebody. You don't have to glare, right? Mm -hmm. But just looking at them for a second or two, a couple of times as you're moving through, just to let them know that you're paying attention. That that ninth grade teacher that was knocked out in the alleyway, right? Mm -hmm. Two steps farther to the right would have given him more time to respond and keeping his head up and even looking over in their direction and smiling and nodding. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. Just letting them know that they're acknowledging that kind of thing. Right. right. Then they would have had to come up from behind him. Right. right. So a directional movement of the consciousness that, yes, my eyes are still pointing forward, but I'm paying attention to sounds and things behind me. So if I hear a scuffle or there's a strange feeling or whatever, I can take a step mm-hmm. left or right, one single step and turn around. That removes my body from that space that it was just in. Just in case the fist is already on its way. Mm-hmm. We we start training with that. Well, we start training with that day one, yeah. right? But that's all about passing your fifth on test and, and all that stuff that you can do mm-hmm. later on, right? And then pass fifth on in our curriculum, right? Then we start getting directional on you, right? The knife coming at your right kidney or your left kidney or whatever. Mm-hmm. So do you need to step left or right? Because if you step in the wrong direction, okay, you're stabbing at your right kidney, but you took it in the left, you know, whatever, because you went in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. That's in the scrolls as well. But this mindfulness and, and ability to to hone that consciousness and, and just just being more mindful, I, that's, you know, that's the big takeaway for people. That's the obvious lesson, mm-hmm. right? 
<clears throat> but for everybody with their training, uh, this this should be something that's brought into the dojo and worked with, right? Solutions worked out for based on the principles and concepts that you already have. And if you don't have them in the art that you're studying, because I'm not going to assume that everybody's listening to Kuden is in the Bujinkan or training in Ninja 2 or whatever, right? If it's not in there, then damn it, go get it, right? Mm. And don't just try to make it up, right? You're going to need to be able to, to talk to somebody or work with somebody that has combat experience and that understands what it's like to be inside that bubble and is working with more than just step-by-step moves mm-hmm. that integrates the psychology, the, the feel, that sensory, uh, you know, the, the third eye or call it whatever you want to call it. Right. But that, that yeah. sensitivity to danger and, and stuff like that. Right. And can, can help you hone that and, and, and work with it. Right. But this needs to be brought into the dojo and, for those of you who are in the Bujinkan and, and doing this ninjutsu stuff and you get the nine lineages and all that, this is really the value of historical study. Not in being able to quote all 17 lineage or generation grandmasters of the Kotoryu or whatever. That's just it's a bunch of it's, – it's worthless shit that I can go look up, right? Mm-hmm. It's not that I don't know some of these names or whatever, but how is that more important – then being able to dodge one of these punches that are coming from a blindside thing at my, you know, at Boca's region or at the, you know, the back of my freaking head that's going to just knock me out and could quite literally move my skull enough to separate it from C1, mm. clip that freaking cord and everything below it gets turned off. It's not more important. It's ego gratifying and it makes me sound like I know something. But yeah. in the words of a CEO that I met one time when I was still in the army, I was, was sitting in a, did I tell you the story one time? I was sitting in a in an airport. This is way way back when they had like uh, TVs attached to like the arms of these chairs hmm. and all that stuff, and you could drop money in and and you know, TV would come on, right? Right. And I was just you know bored, and I'm sitting there and I'm watching. I think I don't know if it was Jeopardy or something like that, but I'm watching this game show, right? And there's this guy in a business suit sitting next to me, and he's reading a paper and everything, and he keeps glancing over every once in a while and look at me. And Kind of nod, you know, one of those hmm. awkward moments kind of thing, mm-hmm. right? And um, finally he says, uh, you know how much I pay him? And I said, excuse me? He's, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. By the way, I'm, I, I don't remember what company. I don't even know if they're in business anymore. Or what? But he was this, like, executive. He was a CEO of, of this big corporation, right? Wow. And um, I introduced myself and all that. And he says, anyway, my question was, do you know how much I'd pay him? And Actually, my ego flared because I was like, I'm getting a lot of these answers right. Oh, how much would you pay him? And he said, well, I have to pay him minimum wage because that's the law, but he's not worth that. Hmm. And then I was really confused. And he said, seriously, does he is he is he sharing anything that I can't go look up myself? Oh, no. So he's using his, his intelligence to memorize these things so he can win a game show. Mm-hmm. How does that help? the world at large? How does that help make his community better? How does that make, how would that make my company more valuable? How would that, mm-hmm. whatever, Rams, that was, there was an eye opening thing, right? But mm-hmm. it's the same thing. How does knowing any of these details make anything better? It's got why, that's why we hold a lot of these details off. Like, you know, who, you know, what, what, uh, lineages use the Omote Onikudaki over the, uh, Uda Onikudaki and, why, you know, why does Kukishinero, do you call it Kote Gaish, uh, like 
some of the other jujitsu schools, right? When we mm. say omote gyaku, right? You know, we toss it out there every once in a while, but that's yeah. more related to why the technology was developed to answer a certain problem. Mm. Then, but beginners shouldn't be inundated with that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. Now, as black belts who are working on details and working on tactics and strategic control, mm. that changes everything because now I'm teaching you how to think like the guys who invented the art rather than just more moves. Right. You yeah. get that. Mm -hmm. OK. So <clears throat> but this kind of thing gives the historical training more. More validity or more reason for doing it. Right. And Tagagi Yoshim to you. Most people do it wrong. And Tagagi Yoshim to you. All attacks come from an odd angle. Okay. Mm. 45 degrees off center, 30 degrees, whatever. Right. It's usually in an, what's called an guy situation where a passing by kind of thing right where mm -hmm. you're walking past him he's walking past you but some of them they're coming up from behind togaku uh togaku debut has attacks from behind mm. things like that right so here's that training right but where do we put those kata in our curriculum past fifth on because fifth on is the gateway to having that intuitive insight to being able to do this other stuff, right? So mm -hmm. the training leading up to fifth dawn, to passing the fifth dawn test, the sword avoidance test, right, is about opening that gateway to being able to sense danger from unseen directions, mm -hmm. from directions that the eyeballs aren't pointing in, Yeah. right? Using tactile sense and, and all kinds of things, right? So <clears throat> this gives that a different reason, right? Mm -hmm. It's kind of like... Um, this this has to be dating myself now, right? A couple of decades ago, um, won't tell you how old I am. <laughs> almost fifty one. Anyway, um, a bunch of bunch of years ago, uh, there was a, a phenomenon that was moving from California east, and there were these gangs that were uh, attacking people in truck stops, right? Hmm. And what they were doing was they were going into the restroom and waiting until the person went into a stall, turned around, and when they saw the pants drop. They'd kick the door open, already had a blade open. They would slash the femoral artery, right? And then while the person was bleeding out, they'd take their wallet, right? Wow. So what did we do? We went into the dojo. Now, we didn't drop our pants. However, we did slide our belt all the way down mm. to just below our knees. Mm -hmm. So you had that same belt line right. limitation, right? You could only move your legs so far, right, to do that thing, right? Um, and even if they're down around your ankles, same thing. You can only move so far. And we worked out solutions to the knife slash and all that for timing so that neither, if anything got tagged, it was a muscle or something like that. But it, you weren't opening up mm -hmm. your primary hose, right, mm -hmm. um, to keeping the blood in your body. But this this kind of thing needs to be brought into into the, uh, the dojo, regardless yeah. of where you live and where you think. Because as long as these videos are now popping up on YouTube – Anybody can look at these things and go, oh, dude, good idea. Right. Yeah. And then they go share it with their friends. Kind of like the whole gerbil thing way back in the day. Right. Mm. You know, the alternative lifestyle people with gerbils and whatever. And <laughs> you just think about it. Right. I mean, all of these dumbass things start with somebody yeah. who goes, hmm, that's a neat idea. But it doesn't stop there. They go share it with one or more friends. Mm hmm. Who turn around and go, I think you got something there. <laughs> that is a good idea. And that's how that shit yeah. spreads, it right? Spreads, yeah. So 
again, I don't know that we can make it go away. Yeah. Universally. But what you can do is you can make yourself less susceptible for it. The first stage is in just increased awareness so that they don't choose you mm. or anybody that you're standing near because there you are and you've got that look or presence or whatever. Uh, you'll notice that uh, on or off duty, police officers, military, whatever, they haven't been nailed yet, mm -hmm. right? Those are guys you shoot from across the street, right? <laughs> right? Um, they're, they're going after people that just are yep. not only not aware, but they don't look like they can fight back anyway. Right. You know, so as far as I'm concerned, these are pussies that are attacking them, right? Feeling like they're, they're sure. big men. Sure, gang of eight or ten people. Yeah, whatever, and, right? Yeah, so yeah. something did start, right? So here, this kind of leads into some other things because you can't discount the fact that if you defend yourself against the guy throwing the punch, that is that at least half of the group that he's with or a third of the group that he's with won't come and help him. Yeah. So now you've got multiple attacker scenarios that you should be working with and all that, right? This completely steps outside of doing classical training for the for classical trainings, mm. you know, for, for for that purpose, right? Yeah, and really makes you start looking at it from okay, what's really being taught more than just can I du duplicate ikichigai, uh, shihaku, kyogi, tangeki? Can I, you know, doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter how good you look in the dojo, right? Can you carry this stuff out to the street? And right now we're looking at something. You know, we've talked about people being attacked, uh, getting into a car or out of a car, or all kinds of things, right? And here's yeah. just here's the latest manifestation of a fad that it doesn't matter where you live or whatever. It doesn't have to happen in your neighborhood, right? It could happen coming out of work. It could come working, or come, it could happen coming out of the hospital. It could happen while you're window shopping downtown. Yeah, you know, putting money in the meter, whatever. So. Um, this is, this is, it should be a wake up call, but you know, we'll see. Right. And we laugh and we joke and all that kind of stuff, but, uh, yeah, they, they better put me down and they better hope that their face is not on video when they drop me. Mm. Cause even if they win, they're not going to win, <laughs> you know? And, and again, you know, because, because of the way the general, you know, PC kind of stuff goes, Right. You can't retaliate. You'll end up in jail, right? Mm. This might be child abuse or whatever. No. The moment somebody makes a decision, and this is something from one of my teachers as well, right? As soon as a child is old enough to understand consequences and makes their decisions, right? Yeah. It's no longer mommy and daddy's fault. And if they make a big boy decision, they need to face big boy consequences, right? But again, that falls back on the whole support groups. Of, you mm. know, it's just they, they're, you know, they're 14 and you're 50. And yeah, but that 14 year old is taller, faster, you know, whatever. I'm still carrying nerve damage from that accident that I was in, whatever, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, but you're a 13th degree. Sucks for him, right? Because if he pulled a gun on uh, an armed police officer, we don't think anything about the police officer shooting him, but the police officer has more training, yeah. right? Has the law on his side, all that kind of wonderful. We don't question anything about that, right? No, but there are still, like, kid that just got shot down too long ago, right? Mm -hmm. There was that, that, that cry, you know, the kid tried to run over the cop with a car 
which is vehicular homicide or is attempted murder because the car is now a weapon, right? Mm -hmm. Cop shoots the kid through the windshield, right? Oh, my God, he, he, he wasn't shooting at him. He was trying to run him over, right? That one-ton vehicle yeah. would have killed him just as easily. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if you get ventilated or you get crushed. Dead is dead, right? But, right. you know, he, but he was 17. Mm. He's making a big boy decision. Yeah. And if you think back a couple of generations, grandma and grandpa were getting married at a younger age than 17. Sure. So just because today, yeah, you know, and we have way too many conflicts today, right? You can join the military and go kill people at 18, but in most states, you still can't drink or carry a handgun until mm -hmm. you're 21. Right. But I can vote people into office and I can defend my country and all that, but I can't make a decision about what kind of fluid goes into my body. Yeah. What the hell is that? Right? Yeah. It's something to get somebody voted in or make certain groups feel good or whatever. And this is, this is really a, a big part of Ninja to training, understanding this kind of perspective. This is not safe talk. This is not nice talk. This is not acceptable speech. Mm -hmm. I understand that, but it doesn't make it true any less, right? So anyway, any other questions on the whole knockout thing? Or? No, I think, I think that's just, you know, it's something that's uh, come up recently in the news and something that's important for people to explore and, and ask questions about and be aware of. So um, coming up next on this episode of Kuden, we'll take a look at the Godai and the next step, uh, as we've been discussing this over several episodes, the next one will be fire. That's Ka. next on Kuden. What? Ka. Ah. Oh. <laughs> Are you protecting your company's number one asset? Smart companies know they cannot afford to have one of their employees become a victim of violence on or off the job site. WCI's corporate services can help. WCI's expert self-defense consultants can help you and your employees learn strategies to overcome obstacles and develop creative problem-solving skills, develop and use better interpersonal communication skills, verbal self-defense tactics and leadership abilities, improve focus, concentration, and the ability to remain calm under pressure, plus valuable defensive and safety skills in order to prevent and survive incidents of violence. Hiring a WCI self-defense consultant could be the best move your company makes this year. Make WCI corporate services a valuable part of your wellness program. Contact WCI Corporate Services today by visiting wcinternational.com. That's wcinternational.com. Welcome back to Kuden. In this episode, uh, we're taking a look at the next progression on our list as we as we go through the Godai and we've come to fire or ka. Yeah. Um, in this one, um, I, I want to put this into perspective for training. So I'm going to touch on, on some of the other ones as well. Um, and I, I know that diff that people have a different feeling or perspective on the whole Godai thing. Some people think it's an official part of Nijutsu. Some don't, whatever. Mm -hmm. To us, it's a useful tool, right? Um, but um, I'm going to sidestep that and let people believe or not. If, if you don't want to buy into this kind of thing, um, that's okay. Just fast forward and go on to the next segment. Um, but I would suggest that this is no different than gravity, right? You don't have mm. to believe in gravity, but if I trip you, it's going to grab your narry ass and pull you to the ground, right? So you don't have to believe in it, right? Um, it's not about belief. It's about a useful tool. Anyway, um, up to this point, what we've been doing is kind of re recapping what the Godai is and all that kind of stuff. Uh, listen to the last episode, or there's been a couple before that, mm -hmm. right, where one we covered Earth and another one we actually just discussed the whole Godai. But in each of those, I kind of recapped the Godai. I don't feel like doing that today. 
what I really want to do is take a look at uh, the element of this thing we call fire, right, and put it in the context of training. And I'll touch on some of the other ones and talk about how it's 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 an element or a perspective that you could work into your training to hone certain skill sets, hmm. okay? So up to this point, we've been talking about how uh, the Godai elements are really just kind of a classification system for things, right? Yeah. They're, they're, the way energy manifests and all that. But energy could be moves, it could be objects, it could be whatever. So uh, <clears throat> Ka as an element represents energy in a combustible or uh, proactive state, right? So <clears throat> in the context of training, the element of fire represents, uh, from, a, from a psychological, emotional standpoint, it represents uh, commitment, direct, unhindered action, right? N- no wind-up, right? Mm-hmm. You're not getting around to getting ready. You need to move now, you move now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so when we're doing physical training, right, um, we could be using the, the, the element of fire to kind of gauge what our movement's like, right? Um, do our shoulders pitch or lean in one direction before we move in the opposite direction, right? Um, do we do something that kind of starts our body falling before we pick up a foot to move it, that kind of thing, right? These are all wind-up kind of things. They're, 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 it's wasted movement, right? Mm-hmm. Um, a full-speed punch is going to nail you long before you pick up the foot, right? So the whole idea is can you move your core, the spinal column, the body core, from point A to point B with no wind-up in an instant because you need to move it out of this space right now? Or... Can you not, right? Mm. And there are certain things that you have to do with your uh, feet, your ankles, your knees, and your hips in a specific order that will allow you to do that. There's certain things that you have to make sure are, are going on with spinal alignment and body alignment to make sure that your body is truly on balance and not just being held in place and not falling over, right? Yeah. That's not balance, right? Um, some people, their shoulders lean back a little bit, right? And their head's up a little bit more. So that seven pound weight is putting pressure, you know, in a certain direction, just because your body has neutralized that by firing your anterior muscles, your you know, front of your body muscles to keep you from falling over backwards. Doesn't mean that you're aligned in a neutral place. Hmm. So moving forward is going to take a little bit more effort than moving backwards, right? Same thing with kind of having your head cocked to the side or, you know, whatever, right? Moving to one side is going to be easier than moving to the other side, right? So we need to find that center so that when it's time to move, we can move in any direction equally well. And that's what our mod three is really all about, right? Yeah. That in and of itself produces the taijutsu quality of speed, not the speed about moving your limbs fast. Hmm. There's something that allows your limbs to move quickly, naturally, that's very different from just firing your muscles quickly, right? That's what causes kind of a fast but herky-jerky kind of movement, right? It's not about that, right? And you'll know that if you're firing that, if you're producing that kind of speed, your body counters the 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 kind of side effect from that in a very different way, right? Um, it'll, it'll make the shoulders bob and weave or the head or whatever. There's this kind of a weird kind of thing that goes on. It doesn't look weird to most people because that's how most people move, right? But... It will look weird to you as soon as you get this, right? Mm. So direct committed action, which is really what fire is about in the context of training, 
uh, or as a response, as a response mode, right, requires certain types of physical checks and training with the body, right? Um, now, put that into, into perspective with uh, the water element, which is the concept of flow, right, and the, the ability to seamlessly connect the different parts of a technique or the different pieces in a string of movements so that it looks like one flow of movement or like a dance, right? It's mm, just a yeah. fluid transition where the step and the arm and everything is just timed together. That's rhythm or flow or whatever. That belongs to the water element, right? Um, and then you see you can't have this fire committed action kind of thing, this direct movement or whatever, without the alignment and stability that's that's contributed by the earth element, mm. right? So that's where we learn to align the body so the building blocks are stacked and you're just standing there naturally. Your body's not fighting itself, anything like that. There's a natural, relaxed sense of stability, right? Mm. It's kind of like a mountain. A mountain doesn't try to be hard and rigid. It's just there, right? It doesn't resist you when you try to push against it. It's just, it's nature to be grounded, right? You flipped a, a mountain upside down on its tip, Right. It's still just as heavy as it was before, but your ability to move it would be very, very different. So mm-hmm. there's a certain placement of the feet in relation to the knees and the, uh, the, the, the I almost said ass, the, <laughs> the, the hips and the shoulders and the head and all that kind of stuff. Right. That allow for this natural stability to occur. And I'm singing to the choir. You know this. Right. So this is how we use this whole Godai thing. Right. Yeah. Um, so with each module being divided into uh kind of a block of study where we can look at certain techniques and all that, right? Everything's categorized by their similar nature to to these elements, right? Mm. Um, and, of course, we start with alignment and stability at Module 1 because without that, you're not going to have a sense of timing or flow or rhythm or anything because you're not grounded. Mm. There's nothing to work with, right? You're all over the place. You're falling off balance, you're going to be constantly fighting yourself if you need to go in a, in a direction that's different than the one you're falling in, right? Yeah. Which is most people's issue. When most people step to Kamai, they don't step to Kamai. They fall to Kamai, right? Mm-hmm. So it's going to be very difficult to go in the opposite direction or a different direction as soon as that foot hits the ground because the inertia from the body is still falling in that given direction, right? We need yeah. to maintain that center so that we have this natural sense of speed and and quickness, agility, right? Um, so we could look at fire as being speed in training and reaction time and commitment and all that, but we can't really talk about this without those other things being in place, right? We're bipeds, right? So our body's in a constant state of shifting balance anyway, but yeah, this this ability to be to move directly, right, without wind up, requires that we're starting at neutral and we're not pitched or leaning or, or alignment's not broken in some way, um, you know, so that it's going to be more difficult hmm. to move that way. So, so the fire element is about, uh, it's about being able to move directly. Right. So I just, I just been spending all this time talking about physical training, right. But mental training as well, right. Hmm. Being able to recognize an opening, right. And being able to see that that's, that's a target and being able to make that decision to fire those, those muscle systems to be able to, to access that target. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. 
being able to uh, move the limb correctly so that the fist is moving in a geometric straight line from the shoulder, right? And the body is lining up behind that so that you get this piercing kind of feel and there's no blowback when the fist hits the target because the wrist or the elbow or the shoulder buckles mm. because the, the bones weren't in a two-thirds to three-quarters uh, alignment or extension when impact was made. Anything less than two-thirds to three-quarters extension, you know this, we do this with drills all the time, right? It's mm -hmm. going to cause that blowback, and then you're going to feel these big muscle groups trying to lock in to yeah. keep the arm from buckling, right? right? So there's a lot of things that are going on here. Um, but, you know, this is this goes into decision-making, which is one of the reasons for sparring or doing some of the drills that we do that cause students to have to uh, develop the ability to make decisions under pressure, mm. right? When all this chaos and scattering is going on, right, can you focus on what's important, right, This with this laser-like focus where other things are not distracting you? So this is where Zen-type meditation comes in, where your ability to hold your focus in a very specific direction, right? Almost laser-like, right? Um, very different from just kind of being all over the place, right? And uh, Or that disorientation that might happen if you're in a big group or you're looking around for somebody um, in, a, in, a, in a fair or something like that, right? And your kind of, eyes are darting all over the place. That's not fire. I know it's quick movement, but we if we call that fire at all, it would be like negative fire because it's scattered, right? Kind of like the, the energy comes out of an incandescent light bulb or a fluorescent light, right? It mm -hmm. lights up the room because the energy goes everywhere, right? If you lit up a laser in a darkened room, you're going to see a red or whatever color the beam is, right? That line, if it's, you know, hitting dust particles or whatever, you're going to see that or you're just going to see a dot on the far yeah. side of the room. Right. And it's the same size as, size as the lens that it came out of because everything's in step and it's going in one direction. The room is still dark, yeah. you know, just because it's, Putting a dot on the far wall, it's not designed to light things up, right? That yeah. energy is in a different step. So it's the same thing. So um, <clears throat> being able to commit to things, right, um, life-wise, right, and stay true to your course, right, regardless mm -hmm. of distractions, things that are coming up, right? I know things happen all the time, but, again, this is not just about, not just about uh, uh, physical self-defense, right? And physical self-defense takes on more than just, you know, ducking punches and all that, right? I mean, day-to-day -day stress and being indecisive and bouncing around your world and all that takes a toll on you physically, mentally, emotionally. Yeah. It affects your health and all that. So, yeah, life things are affected, are, are, are part of the whole self-defense thing anyway. So uh, where was I going to go with this? Oh, uh, the belt system that we use. Right. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people ask about that because it's very different from what everybody else is using. It's very mm. different from the one that I grew up in. Right. Yeah. Uh, but we chose colors that came off the mandala that mm. match these realms on the mandala. So the belt, the belt colors around the waist really aren't about. Um, really not about uh, what everybody else is doing. Right. It's about the life skills the colors aren't related to because we were just using warrior colors we mm -hmm. would use uh green and black right yeah um but and I, I think last episode i talked about kind of how the water realm was the introduction mm. uh, for a student 
going through the mandala and working on this whole enlightenment path kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, those colors actually relate to the sun's position during the day. I think you've been introduced to this kind mm-hmm. of training in, in Mikio, right? Mm-hmm. So it relates to the sun's position in the sky. So um, the color for the uh, water realm is blue because it's the blue sky at dawn, right? Mm-hmm. The color for, and then as you go around the, the mandala clockwise, right, the next element you run into is the earth element to the left, right? Uh, that's actually the south, uh, southern part of the mandala. Uh, it's the color yellow, which represents value and all that, right? Being able to see the value in everything, but that be, that's because things aren't in the shade or hidden or whatever, right? The sun's at full zenith, and it's lighting up everything, right? So that's mm. midday, mm-hmm. right? And then the fire realm is kind of a reddish-orange, mm. right? Which is, the it's dusk, right? Yeah. And it's the sun in the sky that's telling you that the next day is going to be great, right? If you understand this whole, the whole sailor thing, right? Mm, Um, What is that? Red sky at night, sailor's delight, you know, that kind of thing. Um, So it's kind of a reddish orange color, uh, which is why we use an orange belt at Hmm. uh, module three, right? Um, So that's kind of a, uh, the, the day is concluded and it's kind of a reflection, in the exoteric form of uh, Buddhism, and of course in Mikyo as well, right? Uh, this represents the enlightened mind. You become enlightened for yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is uh, in Buddhist terms, this would be the realm of the Pratyeka Buddha, right? One who has become enlightened mm-hmm. for themselves and has erased their own issues, right? But in Mikyo, the next question is okay, what are you going to do with that? Mm-hmm. You have an enlightened mind. How is that going to be a benefit to yourself or others, right? How how will that mm. how will it be used, right? So the next realm is the wind realm, and the color for wind is either green or black, and mm. that throws people off. How can you have one or the other, right? Well, it depends on whether the moon's out or not, mm. right? If we have a moonlit night, you almost have a green cast mm-hmm. to yeah. to the world, right? And if the moon's not out, then everything's black, right? Yeah. So where are we, right? But this is this is the going beyond thing, right? This is mm. what's happening kind of after the sun's going down or after people have left the obvious part of the training, mm-hmm. right? So that's where this whole idea of self-sacrifice and all that kind of stuff goes on. Uh, uh, all accomplishing action, right? You do things that look like it's, it is... Uh, contradicts the lessons this is where students go yeah but but that's not what sensei does or that mm. i don't think you've been around sensei as often as mm. you would like to believe or whatever right or you don't understand the lessons that sensei has been trying to teach okay um <clears throat> and then uh, actually the void realm uh that color mm-hmm. is white mm. right but see you know we start people out with white belts right um <laughs> should we start them off with a blue belt or a White belt, whatever, right? That black belt should be the colors would be off for martial arts, right? Yeah. So we compromised a little bit, and, and a brand new person's in a white belt because that's what we understand in the martial arts. Black belts are in black belt. You know, mm. We get all that stuff, right? But the other ones, the modules are really based around these elements, so that one we can focus on these things. So in module three, it's about right less and less body movement to affect this power in the in the strike, and and we do those little timing drills where um, you know, I start people off with kind of a two-second thing where we flip a target up in front of them, and the target holder starts counting, 1,001, 1,002. And if they don't hit it in that amount of time, they put it back down or we'll do these little 
you know, move the target around kind of thing. And mm-hmm. you nail it. Uh, can you hit it two times in the amount of time we give you? Can you hit it three times? Mm. That kind of thing, right? Um, Very I diff- like the flying target. Uh, oh, yeah. Where we toss the hand targets across the front. Almost like a skeet or, a, or and, blue, some people call it blue rock or whatever, right? Yeah. 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 Where I toss so it's vertically. Very telling about the directions of your strikes. Are, are you glancing off a little bit if they fly off? Right. Or, yeah. And the whole idea is to be able to hit that square striking target and knock it straight away from you. Yeah. Yeah. It's right? a fun drill. Right. And how many people cheat that because they want to look out of the, the corner of their eye and see me so they can time it? But the whole point of the drill is a target only becomes available to you for maybe half a second in a foray, right? So if you're cheating the drill, you're not doing anything to help yourself being able to access a target that's only available for the blink of an eye. And you need to be able to recognize it, acknowledge it, and engage it in five hundredths of a second or less. Yeah. You know, 500 milliseconds, right, which is half a a second, right? Yeah. and it's going to take you about 200 milliseconds, well, anywhere between 2 and 250 milliseconds. Yeah. So some people could take as much as 500, but we've talked about this before, right? Yeah. If you're using your eyes correctly and you're using the, the sight consciousness correctly and you're focusing on the neural pathway that goes to the primitive brain, yeah, you're going to recognize Still, the target in 2 milliseconds, right? which is less than the blink of an eye, way less, right? Yeah. But if you're using that part that you're cheating with, right, to watch my arm toss the target and watch the target come across into your so-called field of vision, Mm. it's taking you 500 milliseconds to make the decision before you even throw the hand out there, which is why until people figure out the timing, they miss every single one. Then when they start cheating it, then, oh, okay, now I can hit it. But then it's all over the place because they're either early or they're late or every yeah. once in a while they luck out and, it, and it's on. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. Um, so, but the point of training with each of these element, elemental things is one to classify and be able to work with a set group of skills, right. In mm-hmm. this case, speed or reaction time or whatever. Right. The other one is to understand how this manifests itself in the overall sphere that you're in. Cause part of void training is being the element or working with the one that you're you're doing at the moment, right? Yeah. But the reality at Black Belt is that all of these things are going on. And the one thing I do want to say is don't confuse whether you're you whether you buy into my my curriculum and, and the Godai system or not, right? Um everybody needs to understand that I'm not saying that there's any such thing as water techniques or fire techniques or whatever. There's no such thing, mm-hmm. right? We put certain techniques in these arenas because they're easier. It's easier to teach them in the context of, mm. of these things. Right. Um, but there's no such thing as these, as these, these things. Right. And for black belts, and which is why we use some of these, uh, these Mikio statues and stuff like, like the statue of Fudo, mm-hmm. right. All five elements are present in that one image mm-hmm. at the same time. They're just doing different things. So Earth is always present as long as we're stable mm-hmm. and we're, we're working with our alignment, whether it's the structural alignment of our limb or mm. footwork or whatever, right? Water is always present as long as we're clear, we're using the observational mindset, and we're using timing and flow. Mm-hmm. Water still used, right? Uh, fire, quick decision-making, right? We're able to move directly, that kind of thing, right? We can meet him 
uh, we can beat him to his punch, that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. fires there. And all of these things are more or less in any given moment, but there it is, right? Uh, wind is the, uh, the, uh, kind of the freedom to move in any direction easily, that kind of thing. So you're very nebulous and you're not stuck to form, mm. right? So it, if he can't second guess you, then he's always going to be behind in yep. decision making to your movement, right? Mm-hmm. And then void is the ability to thinking and create and, 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 you know, kind of, kind of make things up in the moment, right? It's kind mm-hmm. of like being held, being handed a, a, a ball of clay that hasn't been fired, right? Hmm. What do you want to make out of it? Well, you might make something and then ball it back up again and make something different or whatever. Hmm. So you fire it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of, you know, you can, yeah. So it's, it's the strategy. It's the overriding tactics. It's, you know, this, this invisible stuff that kind of holds everything else together, hmm. right? It's the science behind Taijutsu, not the moves. The moves are the end reflection of ideas to convey a lesson but they're not the lesson themselves. Mm. There's the confusion, right? So anyway, so for fire, it's this commitment. It's this, uh, you know, don't get involved in something that you're not willing to see all the way to the end, right? Um, you know, you don't get in there until he hits you once and then you start second-guessing yourself. Dude, <laughs> you typically second-guess yourself. That's not commitment, yeah. right? <laughs> right? Um, but it's also not negative water either. Um, so th- commitment can look like or things can look like commitment when it's really stubbornness, okay? And stubbornness actually falls under negative water. That's a lot of things. Uh, mm. Some things that people uh, tend to not understand about the Godai is that there's a positive and negative manifestation mm. or reflection of each of these things, right? So the colors we're using are the positive colors, right? There are also negative colors associated with them except for void. There's no color for negative void. Mm. What is the opposite of thinking and creating? Duh. Right. So yeah, there's no color for that. <laughs> if it's not there, it's not there. Right. Period. Right. But you can have negative earth, right? Uh, where you don't have stability, you have a dead body lying there. Mm. It's not stable, it's just mm. duh. It's just there. Yeah. Right? Uh that's very different from like uh, uh even a mountain, right, could be seen as like negative earth because it's just there, right? But a building that was built to have structure and everything was placed Mm -hmm. to give it the greatest amount of stability, but there's still sway to it and all that. The form in and of itself Mm. takes into account, you know, some of these other things, right? That's that's a positive kind of thing, right? Mm. Command is a positive aspect of positive earth, right? Or is a positive aspect of earth. Right. Um, but kind of the stuck in the mud, these are the rules and they will be followed this way no matter what. Mm-hmm. You see, now that's just that's an adherence to a belief system. Yeah. That doesn't take into account what's going on in the moment. That doesn't matter. What well, the only thing that matters is is the rule set or my belief system or mm. whatever. That's not command. That's a dictatorial kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. Right. Just like with wind. Right. The self-sacrifice kind of thing, that's the warrior ideal, right? Police officers, firefighters, that kind of thing, right? They're sacrificing themselves to a greater cause, right? Very different from negative, a negative reflection of the same thing, which would be the mercenary, Mm. right? Yes, they'll fight your battles for you, and yes, they're willing to take a bullet, but you're going to pay them really, really well for it. The true sacrificial warrior, that there's no thought of themselves in the mix, that which they're protecting is more important than themselves. 
mm. and they're willing to take a bullet for that, right? The yeah. mercenary is willing to take a bullet, would prefer not to, but you're going to pay him handsome, handsomely for the danger he's putting himself in yeah. for your benefit. So, see, it's all it's all about him. He's going to get a reward for it. Yeah. Right? So it's very, very different, right? Mm. So anyway, didn't mean to jump off on the other <laughs> elements, but... Uh, well, that's what we'll do in the next episode. Bye. We'll 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 move on to wind in the next episode, and I'll just lean over and put some air into the room. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the next. Alrighty then. I just took that serious conversation <laughs> and just f u. That's how I spelled it. Blew wind. it up. Foo. Foo. Yeah. Right. But yeah. I, but I blew it up. Right. That's another expl- <laughs> uh, fire thing. Right. That explosion. <clears throat> yeah. Right. So anyway, all right. <laughs> Next on this episode of Kuden, we'll take a look at mantra and maybe dis- demystifying, maybe not some of the magic, as, as you kind of pointed out in the beginning, that some of that has a place, but maybe taking a look at some of the science, too, that goes into yeah, this Yeah, I want people to know that, of, you know, uh, a long, 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 long time ago, long before me, right, um, another way of saying mantra was speaking in tongues. But way back before people had any kind of contact or easy contact with other cultures, think about it. Anybody yeah. speaking or making sounds that was unintelligible to me and my language system could be classified as speaking in tongues. Yeah. Right. So, hmm. Alrighty then. <laughs> if that bothers you, turn off the show now. <laughs> if it doesn't, if not, if not, it's next. Come on back. <laughs> Come on down, BR549. (laughs) (laughs) To some, martial arts is a hobby. You learn a few techniques, some history, a word or two in Japanese, put in time and hard work, and bingo, you earn a black belt. But few know how to truly protect themselves from real danger. Ask yourself, what kata helps you escape a burning bus or building? What waza stops a carjacker? Think outside the dojo. Get real solutions to real danger with the DVD Danger Prevention Tactics by self-defense expert Jeffrey Miller. Whether you have no martial arts experience or you're a 10th degree black belt, you will learn ways to spot, avoid, and protect yourself in a number of real situations that are all too common but never trained for in the dojo. Order the DVD, Danger Prevention Tactics, from Warrior Concepts International. Visit www.warrior-concepts-online.com or call 570-988-2228. Danger Prevention Tactics. Protect yourself like a pro welcome back to kuden on Thanks. our last segment of this episode <laughs> we're going to talk about mantra oh sorry <laughs> <laughs> there's a sample wait a minute did you just put something in my head that's going to make it explode perhaps it might actually open your mind <laughs> anyway <laughs> what i just said was I, and I, but I think you know that kind of points out how some people might just hear the word mantra or hear somebody doing that yeah. and think, "What is that? Is that significant at all to training? Why are maybe some students studying hmm. that? What's what's the point? What's, what's part the of that point? What's the point? Um, you've heard about positive affirmations and stuff like that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sometimes they work. Sometimes they don't. I think that the intent behind positive affirmations uh, is good. Right. Say these things. Right. Because no one else has to be listening but you. Right. And it's about changing your personal self-image, that kind of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't believe that they work as often as they could 
because the person is using the same language they use every day and the words just don't have the same kind of power mm. because the meaning and the and the, the power behind the words is kind of diminished right think about the kind of intention and and uh, mindset that you put around a new word that you just learn right you go around trying to use it in a sentence and mm-hmm. right you keep it top of mind and all that kind of stuff right we're a new concept in the dojo right um, here's this technique that you need to know, whether you need to know it for rank or whatever, right? Onikodaki. Okay, demon crush. Okay, Onikodaki, mm-hmm. right? So, yes, I know Onikodaki. Yep, Mitsubishi, Karate, and several other Japanese words, right? But <laughs> it, it, it tends to have a different, you have a different experience with it. Yeah. Because it's not something you use on a regular basis, right? Somebody yeah. says Onikodaki, there is only one meaning for that. That yeah. phrase for you, right? Right. Even though in the general context of Japanese society, if I say onukodaki, right, they want to know if I've been watching anime right, or whatever yeah. because it means crushing the devil or demon crusher or whatever, right? But in the context of our training, which is why I tend to use Japanese terminology for the lessons, besides the fact that we can use one or two words in Japanese to mean, uh, <laughs> right, yes, uh, rearward lifting, uplifting, shoulder dislocation, using a bent elbow, yeah, okay. Onikudaki, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> or Mushadori yeah. or whatever, right? But it means one thing yeah. and it directs your mind to that thing exclusively. Mm. That's the power of mantra. Mm. Okay. And actually in, in our Mikyo training, uh, mantra is only one of three types of the use of sound. Okay. Uh, as far as the sound communication. Okay. Uh, there's mantra which could be something uh, fairly short and paraphrased, okay? Like, um, and some people just kind of lump them all together, but a mantra is like the uh, statement at the end of the Heart Sutra, right? So you've got this whole teaching, right, which is actually the shortest sutra in the Heart Sutra, and the Prajnaparamita mm-hmm. Sutra category, right? Um, which is about uh, this deity of compassion and teaching about the void mm. element, right? Um, uh, that everything is is void and empty of anything until you give it some kind of meaning in relationship to other things, right? That's the gist of this thing, right? Mm. But there's this mantra at the end, right? In uh, Sanskrit, it's gyate gyate parasam gyate boji svaha, right? In uh, Japanese, right? It's, uh, what is it? Uh, Gyate, gyate. Gyate, gyate. Uh, gyate. Uh, boji. Uh, swaka. Right, yeah. <laughs> Boy. We just... Uh, <laughs> anyway. Um, so, it's, it's, a, it's a short statement or phrase that points to a larger sutra, right? So, mm. And there's a meaning to it, right? We're actually speaking... Mm-hmm. A language, right? The reason the Japanese sounds so close to the uh, Sanskrit is because the Japanese is a Japanese transliteration of a Chinese transliteration of the original Sanskrit, mm. right? Wow. So all they're doing, I mean, you know, if you take one language to another uh, area, right, you have two choices. You either understand what they're saying and then use your words or your linguistics to say that thing, right, or your Right. So, mm. um, 
we say water, Japanese say mizu, right? So that's that's a that's a translation, right? Right. So when we say water in both languages, we mean water, but the sound the sound word is different, mm. right? But in if we were to do a transliteration, right? Let's say that the word water, right, is really kind of a mantra mm. that points to this thing, right? And the Japanese want to hold on to that because there's something significant about the statement. Mm. Okay. So what they do is they do a transliteration. So they wouldn't translate water to being the word they use for water. They wouldn't use mizu, mm-hmm. right? They would say like wata, mm. right? Because that's the way the Japanese would be able to. Right. Using their right, or they'd have to say alphabetical right, way. or they'd have yeah. to say wataru or something like mm-hmm. that because you can't end Japanese language on a consonant unless it's an n, mm. right? So there's a transliteration, right? So that's what these mantra are when you get these things, right? But originally there is an actual mm. translation to it, right? Mm-hmm. Because gate gate parasam gate bodhisattva means gone, gone, gone beyond, gone beyond enlightenment. What the hell does that mean? Ah, see, there's the lesson. Understand that. Now, when I say the mantra, it's I'm, there's no other way I'm putting this language together, mm-hmm. but this points to a grand teaching. So in Nikyo, we've got these mantra that are kind of condensed forms of an entire body of knowledge. So when I say it, it's the expression of truth. When I'm like, kind of like when I make a mudra, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. A mudra is a physical action. But what the hell does it mean, right? So unless you understand the meaning behind it, right? So when we when we make a mudra or a gesture or whatever in Mikyo, right, we are acting out truth, mm. right? Mm. When we have a visualization, right, it's the mind of truth kind of thing, right? So mm. there are these purified gesture, sound, or whatever that can only mean one thing, okay? And it's about tying in with ultimate universal truth, okay? So... It's kind of like following the script in a, in a movie or something, right? It's just, here's what this character would say in this context. Here's how they feel. So you act out the feeling. You say these words, have this timing going on so that matches. So that when we watch the movie and we see that person doing that, we completely forget that as an actor going by a script and following a director's um, direction. We, mm-hmm. yeah. we don't think anything like that. That's that's Neo and he's the savior of this you know what I mean? We yeah. completely divorced from it because he's acting out this truth that this of this character and this story, blah blah blah, right? So yeah. Um, so anyway, there's mantras, these shorter phrases. There are things that are much longer that are called dharani, right? Which means uh, song. Hmm. Okay. Um, and you've been exposed to one of those, which is the dharani of the thirteen Buddhas and Bodhisattvas, or mm. the sadhana. Mm. Another way to say it is sadhana, okay. right? Song, okay. right? Um, which is a longer thing, which is uh, it's not quite a sutra. It's not quite a teaching. It's actually an acting out of something, just like the mantra, right? It's a, mm-hmm. like a mantra is a statement, okay? A dharani is almost, it could be seen as a prayer or something like that, right? But it's it's an expression and there's purpose behind it and all that kind of stuff. But it's not just a statement, mm. okay? So uh, in the Sadhana of the 13 Buddhas and Bodhisattvas, you're talking about, uh, you know, paying homage to and really appreciating these things of value and about, you know, at the moment of my death, I would like it to come. I would like to be forewarned 
you know, it's about seven days before so I can prepare, blah, mm. blah, blah. Right. There's this whole thing. Yeah. Right. But it's about a situation. So it's situational based or mm. kind of thing, kind of like, kind of like a prayer. Right. Yeah. Um, so this is Durrani. And then there's this thing called a bija. Mm. Right. And a bija is a seed syllable. Right. And you'll find a bija in a mantra. So a mantra is a shortened version of a, Dur- a Durrani. Right. It's kind of a statement that encapsulates this entire thing. Mm-hmm. Could be uh, could be of a Durrani or of, of an entire sutra, right? And then a bija is a single syllable or two syllables, right? Um, but even to us, it'd be two syllables. But in original Sanskrit, that was still counted as a syllable because it's a written character, mm-hmm. right? Kind of like a kanji, right, or a kana, right? So uh, that is a super condensed version. Of the whole thing as well, mm. right? So the bija is a condensed version of the mantra. Mantra is a condensed version. Anyway, so kind of laying this stuff out. If you're mm-hmm. putting you to sleep, wake up later and pick it up where you where you fell asleep on. But um, the bija is kind of taking this entire thing, like the whole essence of fudomyo or dainichin yorai or me mm. or whatever, right? This whole experiential thing or this whole essence or whatever and reducing it to a single syllable so that when you say that that is this whole thing okay so like uh for fudomyo right this character mm-hmm. that's usually associated with the ninja and all that kind of stuff right um uh there uh, is a sutra of uh, Achalanata, which is the Sanskrit name for Fudomyo, right mm-hmm. there's this whole sutra teaching about where he came from and what his vows are and you know, this whole story, right? And the lesson is not the story. The lesson is imbued in the story, and then you're supposed to take that and personalize it to bring this quality out of yourself that we would call Fudomyo, mm. right? Okay. Um, but then Fudomyo has a mantra, right, that when we say the mantra, right, doesn't matter if we're looking at an image of Fudomyo or we're saying the mantra of Fudomyo, or we're looking at this bija, the Sanskrit seed syllable of, of fudomyo, mm-hmm. they're all the same thing, okay? Which is confusing for most Westerners because, you know, how, how does, how's that possible, right? Mm. Uh, God is this deity that's out there or whatever. Yeah, but saying the word God is mm-hmm. still invoking God in the mikyos mm-hmm. sense, right? So whether it's in sound, it's in symbolic reference, or it's in human form or visualization or whatever, it's still the same thing. Right. Because this thing that we're talking about is beyond form. So it can take a form Mm. to be expressed so we can communicate that idea across the void to someone else or whatever. But the thing we're talking about is beyond form, any set form. Right. So uh, there's this there's this bija for uh, Fudomyo, which is the seed syllable that's on our gomaki our goma sticks when we do the, the mm-hmm. goma ceremony during these different events, right? So uh, that's that kanman, right, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I know how to us that sounds like two syllables, but in Sanskrit that's actually a syllable, right? Right. So anyway, let's get to, to demystifying this whole thing, right? Um, a, another system in Japan that actually comes from uh, Shinto, I believe, right, that has to do with the power of sound is called kotodama. Right. Kotodama hmm. means sound spirits. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what it really has to do or what it really has to do with is is the the power that language or sound has. Okay. So I can make a certain sound or 
that kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Which has a calming, soothing kind of property to it. And we don't have to think about that. You know, if you're listening to this, right, you didn't hear that and go, hmm, what am I supposed to make of that? Right? right. You might have started to guess what I was yeah. doing or whatever, but the sound itself puts you into a calm, mm-hmm. maybe a contemplative mood or whatever, but there's a certain feeling to that sound or yeah. it induces a certain feeling as opposed to ah, something like that, which is very different. That causes a very different feeling, right? So the idea behind the, the mantra or kotodama or whatever is that sound has a very deep-seated cellular effect on mm-hmm. us, right? Yeah. So if we're around – and everybody's different, right? So if we're around certain type of music, right, some music – like certain music – uh, my wife likes um, classical stuff, right? It calms her, but it calms me to the point where I'll fall asleep, yeah. right? So right. don't play it while we're driving on long trips because mm-hmm. and don't go to sleep, right? That kind of thing, right? So now it's not that I don't listen to all classical, but there's just some things that she'll listen to that it yeah. just it calms me beyond the point of like yeah. meditative calm, mm-hmm. right? It's just a lulling kind mm-hmm. of thing, right? Which is great if I want to go to sleep. So I need to know that about me, and this is part of the personal yeah. clarification or clarity ju- uh, journey and, and whatnot, right? And there's other ones. I mean, some people listen to freaking acid rock or whatever, and to them, they're like, oh, yeah, it really calms me. Dude, that makes me want to freaking light my underwear on fire, you know, that kind of thing, right? <laughs> so it's this different kind of feel to it, right? Um, and that's really where the, this stuff comes from, right? So um, I find that mantra... And part of it is the, is the use of it in, in Mikio as well, that um, part of it has to do with the whole experiential thing, right? We use visualization mm-hmm. because that works with certain mental functions, right? And then we also work with sound, and that has certain mental and physiological effects, right? And then we work on, you know, we use mudra, Right, which is entwining the hands or doing certain gestures with with the body or whatever, yeah. and that's a tactile thing. So it really comes in from the three primary learning hmm. intelligent types modes yeah. that we have psychologically. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's it's. I mean, we can we can look at this from a couple of different directions. One is that uh, it's a replacement for positive affirmations in that we're using a language that's not the typical everyday thing that we're using. So there's no way to confuse what we're saying, right? Mm -hmm. There's also, because we're using Japanese or Sanskrit, there's not a whole lot of inflection to it. Like we have in our language with accents, right? So there's no way to kind of, you know, kind of scramble the meaning, right? Because we have a way to inflect things that makes it a statement, right? I like you. It's a statement, right? Mm -hmm. We have a way to inflect it that makes it a question where there's a rise at the end. I I like you, right? Yeah. And there's a way to inflect it that makes it a command. I like you. That it drops at the end, right? Right. It's kind of a, right? Mm -hmm. I like you. Not sure how to take that because (laughs) the, the words don't go with the, inflection for conventional understanding yeah. right so right. there's a mixed message thing right there right you just commanded me <laughs> that you like me <laughs> right that kind of thing right so or i like you right see but 
you didn't make any statement about me liking you to begin with. So where the hell did that question come from? Right. But then, some, you know, people can bail out and go, no, no, that's not, that's not what I said. You misunderstood me. What I said was, I like you. Yeah, no, that's not what you said. <laughs> I heard the words, but the inflection was different. Right. Mm -hmm. So now we're getting into the territory of science, of Western science or a Western science called NLP, neuro linguistic programming. Right. Mm -hmm. So whether somebody buys into mantra or not, right, you could study things like just tonal qualities in music and how that affects you and or just experiment with different types of sound that you're around, just like with colors, right? Um, we're all kind of keyed into certain things that can bring our emotions up or down or mm -hmm. whatever, right? And what we're really talking about with this whole Mikyo training and all that is not just personal clarity and, and enlightenment and all that, but, but a self-understanding, right? Like certain colors that might lift you might just be kind of static or might cause me to just kind of be at a lower level of functioning or energy or emotions or whatever. Right. Um, so, and it, you know, for some people that's like, that's bullshit. Okay. Well to you, that's bullshit. So mm. it doesn't, it doesn't take away from the fact that it's true or that it, that things affect you or whatever. That's just that either you don't know about it or you don't want to look at it. And therefore you're okay with that part of your world or that part of your life being random being chaotic, being out of your control. Mm -hmm. right? Fantastic. So, but same thing with, with language and things. So, you know, you don't, somebody doesn't have to study mantra if it's too foreign or too alien at them or whatever. They could, they could look at NLP or other types of, uh, you know, communication kind of things to be able to just be more clear or to make sure they're cutting through the crap that somebody else might be setting up as, you know, with things like presumptions or, uh, uh, manipulative statements and, and things mm. like that. Right. Um, and, you know, if, if anybody's interested, I mean, they can post a question on the Kuden, uh, yeah. fan page or whatever, and just say, you know, I want some more clarification. Is there anything I can read that will help me out with this NLP stuff or whatever? That's not too egghead and academic or whatever, or that's more practical. Um, and, and, you know, I'll, I'll respond to that kind of thing. And if I miss it, I'm sure you'll send me an email. Hey, somebody posted a question. We're going <laughs> to answer them. Um, that kind of thing. But, um, yeah. So uh, as far as demystifying it, you know, I just think it's I think it's interesting because it's it's, you know, I think to it's just like learning another language. students who aren't aware or haven't studied it at all. It seems quite foreign. But really, the essence or idea of sound having an effect. In, in whatever form is not foreign to anybody at all. I mean, absolutely. Since know, we were kids, things right? Of, a, uh, of your mother humming a lullaby or all those things right. have effects on you. And, so people this talking, something... and people talking about, oh, man, when dad had that voice or that look on his face. Right. Yeah, well, dad was making a mudra and a, and a mantra that had a certain truth behind it. We're just using words that, you know, are alien, right? I mean, mm -hmm. mudra and mantra. The hell is that, right? Okay. So, right. They were making certain facial or body gestures and had a certain tonal inflection. And, uh, you know, we can even say, boy, he was seeing red. We know he was angry. Right. Right. It's universal for our language. Mm -hmm. But that points to visualization. Right. Um, he might have even been thinking about popping your freaking head off, but maybe he didn't do it because you weren't going, worth going to jail over. Right. But we we have these things imbued into our language anyway. When we put these terms on it, we're doing the same thing that any science does, right? We give it a term so that we're all on the same sheet of music when we're talking about it, right? So this is the science of communication. Whether we're communicating outwardly or inwardly, it's still about the the, the science of communication. In Mikyo, 
there is a heavy emphasis placed on self-communication because it's very, very difficult to be enlightened or clear about anything out there when we have no freaking idea what's going on in here, mm. right? Or we think we do, but somehow we just can't get our proverbial shit together because if we really had the answers to everything and we really knew all about ourselves or whatever, we wouldn't open our mouths when silence was the best choice or we wouldn't, you know, mm. whatever, you know? Uh, well, some, they need to hear the truth. Really? Or is it just that you can't freaking control yourself and you're just judgmental mm. and you need to be shutting other people down? Yes. The truth is important. One of my protective deities or whatever in Mikio is this character that's about destroying, you know, the, uh, destroying ignorance in the three realms, past, present, and future, that mm. kind of thing, right? And, um, so you will hear me be blunt quite often, right? Um, but often that'll be confusing because I'll say that and I'll be laughing at the same time, right? Because mm -hmm. to me, there's something funny about that, but I'm not laughing because I'm making fun of you or I'm not laughing because I'm shutting you down. I'm communicating on two different levels. You're getting the direct message, but to everybody else, I'm laughing and I'm having a good time because we're at a party mm -hmm. and we're supposed to be jovial. Now, if I suddenly turned around and very sharply with an angry voice did that, would that change the tone of everything in the room? Yeah. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So can, can, do you have the ability to communicate on multiple levels in the same space and time mm. so that everything that's to be affected gets the, gets affected the way you intended? Or did your intention in one direction alienate you or change things in an undesired direction? Yeah in other areas, hmm. right? So, um, and this is where smart people often go amiss or, you know, people that want to be waking people up or whatever, you know, um, th there's, there's some folks that, you know, and Facebook is a great, you know, um, it's a great platform for people to, you know, express their belief system and to have these rants and all that and all that. But often a lot of these folks are missing the fact that they're just singing to the choir. Mm -hmm. The people that they really want to wake up and get the message aren't listening. Yeah. They've already driven them away. So all they're doing is making themselves feel better mm -hmm. by getting this out. How's any different than a bunch of people sitting around the kitchen table, you know, lamenting about the, the, the problem with the government or the world or whatever and how they would solve it if they were king. But they're not getting off their ass to go out and, and do anything. Right. Yeah. You want to you want to put yourself out there, right? Don't do it in a closed environment where you're surrounded by people you're pretty sure aren't going to act a certain way, or you're doing it with this, you know, in a, in a way that the people that are listening aren't. Yeah. The, the, you know, go into a group of people that are who you're ranting about. And risk taking Without that buffer and risk taking a bullet <laughs> computer and all that yeah, or whatever, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. and and I understand that, that that we believe in the truth and all that. But sometimes silence is the way to go about doing it. Or sometimes um, enlightenment gets conveyed by humor. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and, and this is there's a mandala that comes from Tibet. It's the Tibetan Wheel of Life. Right. Mm -hmm. You've seen that. Right. Mm -hmm. OK. Um and this thing has multiple levels to it, like all mandala do. But in the center, not in the very center, in the very center, it's about the three poisons and all that kind of stuff. But then there's a little uh, dark and light half circle around that, which is yeah. about people rising from negativity to positive and, and 
falling from grace to mm-hmm. to negative and all that, right? Um, but then the next circle out is divided into six segments, right? Into the six realms, right? Yeah. Personality types and all that, right? When each of these realms, there's a circle with a bodhisattva in it. Sometimes it's Kanon, or in Tibetan it would be Chenridzig, or this deity of compassion, right? Avedikiteshvara. Mm. Sometimes it's Jizo, whatever. But either way, it's this bodhisattva who is acting in accordance with the knowledge of what the people in this realm or in this mindset need to mm. be awakened. Mm. Okay? So they're carrying different implements or whatever. So And they're dressed differently or whatever, different colors and all that. So they're presenting truth in a way that these people will accept and therefore benefit by. Okay, so yeah. somebody who who just rants and raves and is angry all the time or whatever, you don't go with them with an angry rant. Yeah. That doesn't wake them up, right? Sometimes giving somebody something that they need, right, mm-hmm. gets them to that next level. Yeah, you know, and what they need is not just more anger or whatever. You get the idea, right? Yeah. So, so there's there, there are these lessons that it's not just about knowing truth and then just expressing it one way right because it could just be if if a mirror held up in front of you it just might be a reflection that you're just an angry person and you're angry because things aren't being done your way which is egotistical it's egocentric right Mm -hmm. it's the same problem that you're arguing about but you're just in a different position so therefore you get to speak from your pulpit not theirs right true enlightenment means that you can you can express truth in multiple ways. So, you know, so anyway, I'm, again, this, this discussion about mantra and demystifying, it really has come down to be about communicating, communicating yeah. truth inwardly and outwardly, right? And, you know, the mantra that most people think of is just, you know, it's just another language being imported. And the reason I choose to use it is because those word sounds only have one meaning to me. So if I express that mantra, there's no confusion with what do I want for dinner or, or you know, a day at the amusement park with somebody or some conversation that some dipwad had with me at, you know, the mall or you know, whatever. And I'm expressing words that other people might use or whatever. I just, you know, mm-hmm. but you get the idea, right? So, um, yeah, if we wanted to demystify it, it's just language. It's just communication. Yeah. Right? If you don't want to use the traditional stuff because you just can't buy into it or your belief system doesn't allow for it or your belief system is such that if you use it, you'll spontaneously combust and, you know, whatever, then I don't think mantra is what you need to be looking at to begin with. I think that there's a whole other thing going on because this is just pointing to a grander uh, problem, a grander sense of suffering hmm. right i'm not suffering <laughs> damn it i'm in charge yeah okay then you're causing a whole bunch of suffering and then that blows back and then you have to justify yourself and then you're pissed off because you had to justify yourself because that's not what you meant and they're upset at you because they misunderstood look dude you're spending a whole lot of time <laughs> yeah. that you could be using to dip your toes in the pool or to hmm. sip down a mojito or whatever it is yeah justifying what why are you arguing about something that was beyond arguing? It was the truth. The truth. Leave it alone. Hmm. If you purposely made them upset. Okay. But did you purposely make them upset because 
this truth had to be spoken. You knew some people were going to be upset. Or did you do it because you have an oppositional defiant personality disorder and you have an inherent need to make people angry and that's what you get off on? If you need any clarification on that, watch the video, What the Bleep Do We Know? There's a whole science Mm. in there on how our cells have these docking ports for these things called peptides that the more you are a certain way, the more when your cells create sister cells will produce more of these docking ports and then you are a slave to your own device where you become this person who just the feedback for you whether it's bliss or whatever it is, is just that at a certain point, you're not going to be able to control yourself very well because the only way for you to derive satisfaction and to release endorphins in your own mind is to do this thing. Yeah. Victim, piss people off, you know, listen to chant, Tibetan chant, whatever it is, right? I mean, Mm. it's about the emotional triggers, right? Which are really chemical at their base, so... That's part of self-clarification as well, right? You can actually wire yourself. And if that's true, and that's a whole basis behind Mikio, mm-hmm. right? If we truly are creatures of habit or, and this was long before science validated all this stuff, right? If you could literally recreate yourself in whatever image you wanted, then take control of the process and create the person you want to be. Mm. I paraphrase that at the end of my emails by just saying that, you are either exactly who you want to be or you, you are exactly what you've allowed yourself to become, mm. which means you're either in control of the process or yeah. you're not. Yeah. Or for those who think they're in control of the process because you're exactly who you want to be, maybe you just accepted mm. what you've become because mm. that's the other part too. Anyway, let's shut the hell up. <laughs> <laughs> it's Christmas Eve. a lot for you to hear about. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, maybe that didn't demystify anything. Maybe that just made people go, well, now I'm more confused. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's my it's how we'll try to answer how I get you into my programs. My pretty. (laughs) Anyway, I discuss a lot of this stuff in like the Ninja Mind program. Yeah. And in the seven steps on the path of a Buddha program as well. So, yeah, uh, lots of different routes you can get more information from and uh, you know again don't be afraid to bring those questions too we always love to see those on our next episode of kuden we'll take a look at uh i want to talk about weapons we've talked about weapons on this program before Hmm. uh but maybe dive a little bit more into weapons then and now of course we look at training from a historical aspect but you know making taking a look at what weapons were then and how some of those things and lessons carry through to what we call weapons today and then Hmm. maybe should you be quote-unquote armed that's obvious that that that's always been a big question and in recent times too with um you know in, in national news about people carrying or not carrying or gun laws maybe talk a little bit about you yeah, know, if you understand you weapons armed? training, you'll get to a point where you're always armed, but I'll talk mm. about that later. And then also we'll continue on a progression of the Godai and take a look at wind. And uh, also would, would like to hear you talk about maybe uh, the boot Sudan and maybe creating your own personal space, whatever you want to call that for reflection or meditation. But, you know, if you mispronounce that, you just said cemetery. So creating your own personal space is a whole different meaning than having a shelf <laughs> for for a little ritual meditation space. <laughs> Make sure you do the right one. <laughs> That's right. Well, well best of luck whatever one you. that was going to serve you best. <laughs>
Something to look forward to. Going to take a little the... nappy nap here for a couple of eons and <laughs> <laughs> disseminate my system back into the gene pool. <laughs> we'll see you next time on Kuden. Thank you for listening to Kuden, the podcast for self-defense and martial arts news, interviews, techniques, and history. For more information on upcoming martial arts seminars, camps, and classes, call 570-988-2228 or log on to www.warrior-concepts-online.com. That's 570-988-2228 or www.warrior-concepts-online.com.